For many of us, Advent is the launching pad to Christmas morning, a 24-day countdown to stockings and presents. We don't think about Advent as first being about the second coming. After all, it's been two millennia since Christ was born, crucified, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit. And for 2,000 years, we've been living somewhere between forgetting about or fretting over His return. Today, as we reflect on the gift of God's grace and salvation offered through Christ, may we ask ourselves what will be our response to His gift. How will we offer ourselves and this community for the cause of Christ in 2024? Well, good morning. good morning, and what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. What an amazing ushering in of the Spirit of God this morning through worship and through prayer already. If you have not felt the presence of God, I pray that you do today because God is with us and God is for us. Amen. Amen. And for those of you that may be joining us for the first time today, I want to say thank you to you for taking a risk. It's always a risk to jump in with a, a ragtag group of people, especially like this group. Can I get an amen to that? But you did it, and we want you to know that you're always welcome here at The Way, where we share Jesus by sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Now, I know some of y'all came in here this morning, and you're looking at the decorations, and you got a little bit of a twitch going on, because the Christmas decorations are still out, right? Many of y'all have boxed them up. They are long gone. They're out of sight, out of mind. Can I get an amen? That's how it is at your house. I mean, OCD, you got to have it all back in together and put it back in the box, Right? But not here and not today, because today is connected to the season that we've been in. Advent is a season of preparation, not only for the coming of Christ, but his return. And it culminates with Christmas, if you will, with the celebration of the fact that he already has come. But it continues. It continues on toward Epiphany. And, and any of y'all know the, you know the 12 days of Christmas? You know the song, right? right. Y'all want me to sing it? No. no. Okay. Amen. We got that. All right. But that, that leads to Epiphany on January 6th, and today in the life of the church is Epiphany Sunday. And so you have this season of preparation, and then celebration, and then Epiphany is all about revelation. It's about manifestation. It's about the appearance of Christ. And so much so that the early church, for hundreds of years before Christmas Day became a significant thing in the life of the early church, it was all about Epiphany. It was all about those moves of God where Jesus manifest and revealed himself to many people. You, the shepherds that night, right, in his birth. And then you got Anna and Simeon in the, in the temple when he's being dedicated, right? And they're prophesying. They have seen the Lord. And then you move out and the Magi come and visit sometime later. I burst some bubbles today, I know, already, right? Because the Magi weren't there. Got news for you. We're going to talk about that today. And then you go all the way out to his baptism, in which the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God came down descending upon him like a dove and you hear God the Father say, this is my Son with whom I am what? Well pleased. All of this is epiphany. It is the revelation. It's the manifestation of God in the flesh to all the world in all of these moves. And the early church saw that it was significant enough not just to dwell on the day he was born, but on the events that revealed him to the world. So before we pack up today, we're going to pack up the decorations here today. I want to unpack for us why I believe epiphany matters today, why epiphany matters for you, why epiphany matters for me. And to do that, I want to invite you to journey back with me to Bethlehem, not to his birth, but to the response of his birth that we find those magi 
uh, revealing to us. And so turn with me, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app handy, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And I want to read for us God's word for us, beginning in verse 1 and, and through verse 12 this morning. Here's God's word. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you go to the Lord in prayer as we continue in worship this morning? Almighty God, I thank you that you have met us already this morning. And God, I pray that we would be open to a move of your spirit to open our ears, our minds, and our hearts, beginning with mine to hear what you would have us to hear and to encounter you in a way in which you desire to reveal yourself to us. So the way the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all of God's children said, Amen. 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 So, so I got to burst some bubbles this morning. I got I to gotta get some things straight this morning because I think a lot of us, as I alluded to earlier, have been misled with some misconception about these magi. For first, I think many of us have been led to believe that they're kings. And, and there's this notion that many of us hold because of our nativity set that there's only three of them that were there. And I got news for you, the ironic thing in all that was they were not there. They were not there the day, that night in which... The angels appeared to the shepherds and came into the manger to see baby Jesus. The Magi weren't there. And if that's the notion and if that's the understanding that you've held, you're not alone. Many of us have held to that. Many of us have been taught that. But rather than kings, these were astronomers. These were astrologers. They were royal in nature. They were from Persia. They were of Arab descent. They were from the modern-day Iran and Iraq. And they studied the stars. They studied the orbit of the planets. They studied the sky, if you will. And, and they looked to that and they began to interpret or try to interpret what all that meant. And in the ancient culture days of the ancient Near East, when a new star or something new arose in the sky, well, that was a symbol for them that not only was someone in leadership about to fall, but someone was about to rise. No wonder Herod was panicked when he heard them arrive. And he says, where is the born king of the Jews? Can you get why he might be a little bit shaking in his boots then? Or his cloak, at least. He probably didn't have boots like Wes does, right? But here's the thing. Their arrival also was not an inconspicuous one. 
We find in this text that, that Herod is alarmed, but not just him, but all of Jerusalem, it says, is in alarm. And, and this leads us to, to understand, I think, in many ways, that it's hard to believe there were just three men in that caravan. You know, Matthew focuses in on three gifts. He doesn't mention how many men or women were in this caravan. But I would suggest to you that if it got that much of attention throughout all of Jerusalem, there's probably more than just three people that showed up in Jerusalem that day asking for where this baby was. And yet, it was a star that drove them and drew them there. You know, we can debate and we can dwell on these things, but we're missing the bigger point that I think Matthew is trying to draw us to when he points out the Magi being drawn from the east to come to Jerusalem and then ultimately to Bethlehem. Because what he's drawing to our attention is that these people were not like the Jews. These were Gentiles. If you read our devotional from yesterday, you recognize they didn't have the same scriptures. In fact, they looked to the stars rather than to the scriptures. They didn't worship the same way. They didn't worship the same God. They didn't have the same holy days. They didn't have the same practices and faith and religion as those that shared in this covenant that God had through Abraham that follows through. They were outsiders for many ways in many ways. And yet this is the ones, these are the ones they were drawn by a star to go in search of a king, a king worthy in their mind of worshiping. You see, I think what Matthew's really pointing out for us is that God makes every effort to reach every person. Let me say that again. God makes every effort to reach every person, including you, including me, including all of humanity. He used nature rather than scripture to draw these magi to his truth, to Jesus Christ. He really does make every effort to reach every person, doesn't he? Including these magi. You see, they were looking to the heavens for wisdom. and They didn't realize that it wasn't the heavens that has wisdom, but it's the one that comes from the heavens that has wisdom, Jesus. And that's who they encounter there as they come looking. This is, this is what we call in our good Wesleyan tradition, provenient grace. Provenient grace, you know, that grace that goes before. Before we know who God is, God knows us, and God is drawing us to himself. I love the way that Omar wrote in our devotions. And I know some of y'all probably saw those devotions after Christmas and started hitting delete because it said Advent, right? You're like, Christmas is over, right? Then y'all hit the delete button? You can go ahead and admit it. I mean, Alan said the open rate tanked after Christmas. But the devotions continued for a reason, to connect us to this. And, and he writes this as it relates to provenient grace. And I think this is absolutely beautiful. The belief that the holy love of Jesus is pursuing all people, guiding them to the heart of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit, even if they are not aware of it. Y'all, that's provenient grace. It's the grace that goes before. That's what's happening here. And that's why epiphany matters in many ways, because of how God is manifesting himself and drawing himself to us. And in this sense, what we find is these magi, after having consulted with Herod, Herod gives him two tasks. He says, hey, go search diligently, carefully for the child, and then come back to me ASAP so I might go worship him too. They took the first advice. They ditched the second, thanks be to God, and because of God. But there's three things that we can take note of what they did after having met with Herod. And the first is this. They followed that star all the way to where Jesus was, young Jesus. And, and, and what we find is that they were overjoyed when they came to the place where the star rested over the house where Jesus was, do you remember, do you remember those of you that have already walked into the, the relationship with Jesus, do you remember that moment when you were overjoyed? 
Do you remember? Do you remember? Some of us need to remember today what it's like to have the joy of the Lord in our lives. This is what we see the Magi doing. And in the midst of that, what we find them first doing is they worshiped. They bowed down before Jesus. And I have to wonder, like, at what moment, at what moment as they're kneeling there, this young toddler, this young child, did they realize it wasn't just some ordinary king, but this was the very son of God that they were kneeling before? Can you imagine that moment, that epiphany moment in their mind when they came to realize who it was that they were bowing before? Matthew uses a word here, and Wes alluded to it as we were worshiping earlier, proskinel. Say that with me. Proskinel. Y'all know I'm geeky with the Greek sometimes, but this is important. Because the deeper meaning is this, to fall down and worship. To obeisance to, to revere. You see, what's evident in their reaction, their response, when they bowed down is this, that, that they came to a realization not only who was before them, but also who they were not. God. Let me say that again. They came to the realization not only who was before them, but also who they were not. God. What is it that Isaiah said when he was in the presence of God? Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. You see, something happens when we come to the reality that we are in the presence of a holy God. That's what we see the Magi doing as they bow there and they worship before Jesus. He indeed is worthy of worship, is he not? Amen. It it led me to pause as I was reflecting on this to ask myself, how am I in my response to the presence of God, the manifestation made flesh, Jesus Christ, am I worshiping him? with all of myself. How are you doing with that? Better yet, are, are, are we pursuing, are you pursuing, am I pursuing after Jesus the same way we see the Magi do? Because you see, they came from the West. They came from a place and a, and a culture that they knew to a place and to a people they didn't know, and they sought after Jesus. And yet the religious leaders they came to and they asked, where is this king? Where is this Messiah? They knew the signs to look for. They knew the scriptures to look to. And yet they were intrigued, but we don't see them following with a magi going looking for Jesus, do we? Begs the question, are you pursuing, am I pursuing, are we pursuing after Christ? And to worship him in the way that we see the Magi doing. Because here's the thing this morning that I want to offer to us. Whether you're a seeker or whether you're a sojourner or a skeptic this morning as it relates to Jesus. There's more. There's more of Jesus. There's more of Jesus to know. There's more of Jesus to walk with and to become aware of in your own life than you know today. So are you willing and am I willing to pursue after knowing him further? Because here's the deal. God desires every person to diligently seek him. Are you seeking him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul? Are you seeking him? You know, the Magi, they not only worshipped. The second thing that we see is they brought some gifts, too. The, the, the three gifts that lead us to thinking that there's three kings, if you will, these three Magi, and and they brought good gifts. They're, they're fit for a king. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I don't know about you, but, but you think about Jesus at the age he was. Don't you think diapers and diaper rash cream would have been a better gift? I mean, think about it. 
Wouldn't that have been a more appropriate gift to bring at that day? But no. They saw beyond the season of Jesus' life to the purpose of his life. And they brought gifts worthy of who he was called to be, a king. And not just any king. Lord of heaven and earth. The king of heaven and earth. The Lord of grace and mercy, incarnate in the flesh, coming for you and for me. They saw what he was to become, and they brought gifts worthy of him. An amazing response to what they saw there. An amazing response. You see, I think we all would agree that when one comes to this reality, you come to the reality of who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to offer to you and to me in a relationship with him, well, it changes everything, doesn't it? Those of us that, that have already professed faith in Christ, has your life not changed? Does your life look different because of Christ? It should. When you come to that reality, when you come to that epiphany, when you come to that reality, the manifestation of Christ that shows up in the deepest longing of your heart and you begin to embrace the reality of who he is, well, it changes you. You begin to live differently, and that's exactly what we see the Magi doing. They not only worshipped, they not only brought forth gifts, but they left a different way, and I can't help but think they also left living a different way. You see, they may not have come seeking God, but God was seeking and drawing him, them to himself. Can I get an amen to that? And they were forever changed when they came into the reality of who they were looking into. They were looking in the eyes of the creator of the stars that they had been studying all these years. Can you imagine what it must have been like to stare into his face and to have Jesus stare back at them? The creator of it all, there, looking back in them. Speaking of reaching them in unique ways, it wasn't just the nature, if you will, the sky that first drew them to the truth of who Christ is God then met them through this young baby, Jesus, but then God also spoke to him through dreams. Isn't it interesting how God speaks in so many different ways about his one truth, his son Jesus? He says, don't go back the same way you came. They heeded that, and there's good reason for that, and if you pick up in verse 13, you'll see why, but, but here's the bottom line. This, this, is, this is what I've been wrestling with this past week as it relates to epiphany, why I think epiphany matters for us today. Because when we come face to face with a manifestation of God's grace, that is Jesus. <laughs> it changes everything. He changes everything in our lives. Can I get an amen to that? You see, this is the gift of God. And we may pack up the nativity, but we can't pa cannot pack up the gift of God, the very Son of God. Not even a tomb can hold Jesus Christ. He has defeated sin and death. That's why he came. He came for you. He came for me. He came for all humanity. You can't pack him up. We may pack the decorations up, but we cannot pack up the gift. And so if you came this morning, if you came searching, if you came seeking this morning, if you came looking this morning, I have news for you. What you came looking for is a person. His name is Jesus. He's here, and he's here for you. If you came looking for peace, you came looking for Jesus. If you came looking for forgiveness, you came looking for Jesus. If you came looking for wisdom, you came looking for Jesus. If you came looking for love, you know, some of us are looking for love in all the wrong places, right? You came looking for 
Jesus. Don't miss the opportunity. Because he is here, as I said. And he's here for you. If that's you this morning, then, then reach out to someone that's already begun to walk with Jesus and ask them, would they just share with you what, it's, what would it be like to, to embrace him in my own life? Allow them to pray with you. Allow them to, to walk with you and to unpack a little bit more this gift called Jesus. God in the flesh, the manifestation of God's love made to offer to all of us. And then for the rest of us, for those here that have already experienced the joy of the Lord, this is the part, this is the harder part for me. For those of us that have embraced his love, that have embraced his forgiveness, that have embraced the reality that that we are not only forgiven of our sin, but we are set free from the power of sin, I ask you this question. Are you living it out in a way that reflects the epiphany that's come to you? It's come to me? come to us you see we have a role to play in epiphany what is it that 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 we're called to be we're called to be the body of christ we're called to be the embodiment of christ what is it that paul writes to galatians he says i no longer live i have been crucified with christ and christ lives in me what is it that John says in John 1, 1 John 1, 4, 4, he says this, he says, you know, the power in me is greater than the power in the world, the power in you. What is he talking about? He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. When you become baptized, when you become embrace the faith in Christ Jesus, you're not only baptized by water, but you're baptized by the Spirit, and you're given the power of God to go and be a manifestation of Christ to the world. What is it that we see in Acts? Jesus says, wait here. And I'm going to give you a power. When the Father comes, he's going to give you a power that's not of this world so that you might be my witness. And what do we see unbreaking, unfolding in the world? Nothing short of a manifestation of the love of God through the healings and through the preaching and through the the teaching and through the formation of a body of Christ there in Acts. And we are a part of that today. Think about that. Think about that. And so as we step into this new year, as we step into this new year, I ask you the questions I've been asking myself this past week. When people look to you, and when people look to me, what will they see me worshiping? Who will they see you worshiping? When they look to you and they look to me this year, what will they see us pursuing? Better yet, who? Will they see us pursuing after? When they look to you and me this year, where will they see us investing our time, our talents, offering our gifts? When they look to you and me this year, will they see something in us that's different than what they see in others in the world? In short, will they see a reflection of Christ in you and me and us? Or will they see a reflection of the world? You know, this past week was a hot mess for me, and Kristen can attest to it. I, I, was, I was a hot mess this week, and, and I was convicted because I was allowing a spirit of intimidation and, and my insecurity. That's not a spirit of God, is it? You know, perfect love casts out all fear. Well, I allow fear to come overcome me, and I, I acted out in ways that were not a reflection of God. 
And I sat there at my desk crying and repenting. Because what I said and what I was thinking was not of God. It was a reflection of Christ. It was a reflection of me, my flesh. I want people to look to me and see in me what I see in Jesus. How about you? How about you? Folks, we're stepping into an amazing year as a church, the way Woodstock. We're about to expand into a new building. And, and, and y'all got to stand behind me, get in line, because I'm the first one to go in, because I'm super excited. <laughs> Jack's waving his finger. It's unlocked, by the way. I found that out this morning. And I know where the key is, too. I'm about to get myself in trouble. But here's the deal. It's not about a building, is it? It's about a body. It's about embodying the love of Christ wherever we go, to whomever we meet. Because imagine what it would be like if those around us could experience their own epiphany because of the way in which we lead and we love and we speak into their life, whether that be a classmate, whether that be a coworker, whether that be someone in our neighborhood, maybe that be the stranger, whoever that might be that God's leading you to. The reality is, is if we're gonna be the body of Christ and if we're gonna be the embodiment of Christ to the world, well, then we ought to be pursuing after the things that Jesus pursued after. He came for you. He came for me. It came for all of humanity. <laughs> Imagine if this was a year of epiphanies. Maybe it needs to start anew in you. And then people will look to you and say, I want what you have. Oh my. Church, when the city around us looks to us and says, I want what you have. Watch out, because the kingdom of God will have come near. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's not just a written word, but it is the living word through your son, Jesus, who reveals himself to us. God, I thank you for epiphany, and I thank you for the way the early church chose to dwell, not just on your birth, but the significance of it. You came for all people in all times and that you will make a way for everyone to come to the way, your son, Jesus, who desires to not only be our Savior, but our Lord. God, I imagine I'm not the only one this morning that perhaps, and Jane led us in this way in the prayer earlier, but I want to bring it back to our forefront of our minds now that maybe there's some things we need to confess this morning that we need to repent of. harboring hard feelings toward others or thinking or defending rather than choosing to love, to let go, to forgive. God, maybe we said some things that we've regretted and we just need to know that while we were yet sinners, your son died for us. That proves your love toward us so that we need to receive that forgiveness anew and lay it down at the foot of the cross, whatever we said, whatever we've done, and know that it is finished. And that we can walk in the newness of life because of your son who came for each and every one of us. 
So God, help us not to pack him away (laughs) when we pack the decorations up. But help us to step in the mission that you called us to, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we can't do that without your presence and without your power and without a manifestation of your love operating in our lives. So get us out of the way, beginning with me, and help us to pursue with abandonment the way, the truth, the life, your Son, our Lord and our Savior, and His name is Jesus. And it's in His high and mighty and precious name, I pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.